Howdy, everyone. Arthur Staple here. You're listening to the Garden Faithful, your Rangers podcast from The Athletic. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Steve Valiquette. Steve, what's going on, my friend? Oh, very good. In good health and ready to go for uh, some exercise and enjoy this beautiful <laughs> day after we get talking hockey, which uh, I'm excited about because there's uh, lots to talk about, buddy. Lots to cover. Yeah, we're getting down to it. The games themselves don't quite mean as much. Uh, last night's 3-2 shootout lost to the Sabres. Rangers get a point. It sure looks like they're going to be in third. They still have a chance to amazingly finish first if they win their last game and Carolina and Jersey both lose their remaining two. Unlikely, but still a possibility. So first, second, third, Jersey or Carolina starting at home, starting on the road. Nothing has been decided yet. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, folks out there, something will have been decided because tonight, Tuesday, uh, Rangers are idle. Carolina and Jersey and Jersey both play, not each other. If Carolina wins in regulation and Jersey loses in regulation, then it will be Rangers, Devils, and Carolina wins the division. However, before we get to all that, um, there was an important award that the Rangers uh, gave out last night. It's the Stephen McDonald Extra Effort Award, and and Steve, of course, is a former Ranger. You know how important, how emotional that award can be to be handed out and um, in memory of uh, the late. New York Police Department detective Stephen McDonald, who was shot and paralyzed in the line of duty back in 1986. Uh, longtime Ranger fan, and he was there year after year until he passed away in 2017, giving out that award. And his son, Connor, who's also in the NYPD, gives it out now. Uh, it went to Ryan Lindgren last night. Uh, and the extra effort award, you, you could certainly say Ryan Lindgren, an easy choice, a guy who gives that extra effort all the time. And then in overtime of this meaningless 3-2 shootout loss, he showed us that maybe extra effort this time of year <laughs> before you get to the playoffs sometimes can be a bad thing because he did what Ryan Lindgren does. He just threw his body in front of a Jeff Skinner one-timer on a four-on-three Sabres overtime power play, caught it right off the face shield and right off his cheek and right off the side of his helmet. Went straight to the room, looked like he was holding, trying to hold his face in place, given where the puck looked like it hit him. But somehow he came back to sit on the bench during the shootout. After the game, I asked him, you have any second thoughts? And he said, yeah, in hindsight, it was pretty dumb, but it is what it is. And that that kind of sums up. And, uh, you know, Adam Fox told me, like, there's a reason he won that award, like, for stuff like that. And it, it makes you all cringe, makes everybody hold their breath when they see it. But as you know, Valley... Guys like him are built to play one way, and that's the only way they can do it. And that's part of the reason why he was the Stephen McDonald Award recipient last night. So you can't turn it off. And I have a good example from my teenage years. I had read in the hockey news where Dominic Hasek was a little puck shy. And what his remedy was for getting over it was to get a piece of wood, nails, hammer, and look at the head of the nail And as you strike it with the hammer, you don't flinch your eyes. You don't ever shutter your eyes because being a goalie, you've got to have your eyes open like saucers to be able to see the puck, not only come into you, but leave you. You have to know exactly where it is as it leaves you and your eyes converge and then diverge. So I'm doing these exercises at home after I read it in the hockey news. I'm also at this time an apprentice for my father who owns an electrical company that we we do stores and shopping malls. And the drop ceilings in the shopping malls have wires that are around the drop ceiling wire to hold it in place. And my dad would always say to me, when you get up in the ceiling, just make sure you know about your surroundings because these wires are all poking in at head height. 
And uh, I get up in the ceiling and don't you know that I, I get myself in the eye. And the scary part about it was it was the corner of my eye, not my eyeball, but my eyes never even closed. Like I didn't, I, I was training myself to not ever flinch my eyes. You can't turn it off is my point. In the same way that he can't turn it off when he's feeling a threat towards his goaltender. He wants to block every puck and, and eat it so that he can help his team. And I think that we as athletes have a hard time turning it off. And that goes for a lot of things too, right? Like competitiveness too. We get ourselves into a lot of trouble when we mix with regular civilians when we are <laughs> in that because we can't turn it off. Like we get into fights at a volleyball, beach volleyball game in the summertime once because like we're, we're, we just go animal. And I think that when you get to the highest level, as Lindgren is, and he's one of the best at being able to get in your face and shut you down and close angles. I mean, he just can't turn it off. That's the hardest. And, and we've been talking about these games, right, fellas? Like it's, it's the hardest thing about getting through these two weeks since, since March 30th game against the Devils. When the Rangers lost that game, March 30th, do you understand that I turned off the season too? Like I couldn't help it. And and now, Arthur, you open this podcast by telling me 10 different machinations of how the Rangers can play Carolina and New Jersey. And I don't want to hear it. I've already turned off Carolina two weeks ago because I thought that New Jersey was a lock and the Rangers are starting on the road. And I don't care that they're starting on the road because I get the sense this room believes they can beat anybody, anywhere, anyhow. And it doesn't matter to them. All they were thinking about, and I'm telling you right now, that room, and they've they've loosely said it. If you really listen and read between the lines of Adam Fox, or you listen and read between the lines last night, second intermission uh, interview with Trocek, or Lindgren's comments after the game, these guys are all getting ready for the playoffs right now. They're playing these regular season games to get ready for the playoffs. And what I think is fascinating, and they've earned it, is that, you go on NHL.com and you search December 5th. That's the St. Louis game that we all talk about was the turning point to now. Boston Bruins, 0.798 winning percentage. New York Rangers, second, 0.727 points percentage. All right, so they're the second best team in the league since December 5th. Right. I think they've earned it. I think they've earned it. And they know with a lot of recency that this is going to be a slog and it's going to be brutal and they're rested for it. And I think that's more important to everybody. But at the same time, a guy like Ryan Lindgren, that boy just can't turn it off. <laughs> well, another uh, Rangers award recipient from the last uh, week or so uh, is another guy who doesn't turn it off. Usually Jacob Truba, he won the Rod Gilbert, Mr. Ranger award. And that uh, only the second year they've given that out. And it's, um, you know, given to the Ranger player who shows uh, leadership in the community and on the ice. And certainly you mentioned the, the Chicago game, the game before the St. Louis game, which, you know, will stand out if this season ends up being something special. Uh, his fight, helmet throw, wake mm -hmm. the F up, screaming at his bench. That's going to be a moment that's going to be replayed and replayed and replayed on the highlight reels. You know, maybe not as much as watching – Jacob Druba get the Stanley Cup from Gary Bettman. Well, if, hey, uh, if, it ends, if it ends if that way. If they win a cup, man, that thing is going to be legendary. Yeah. That game will be legendary. Um, but you but to to my point, you know, if it becomes something special, even if it doesn't, this was a guy who, you know, I think the way that he played the first half of the first 30, 35 games of the season, uh, 
he was struggling with his play. He was struggling with, a, a, you know, a, a injury that hampered him all throughout the preseason and early into the season and struggling with being a first year captain and trying to negotiate his way through not having a good start to the year. And you look at where he is now, um, you know, he's up to 30 points uh, kind of in his, in his average wheelhouse for points after not producing very much early in the year and still being the guy that leads this group. And it's, it's a, it's a interesting group of characters for sure, especially now with, with Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko, it needs a steady hand. And, and I think this year has certainly proven that, Chris Drury and Gerard Gallant and the garden and everybody made the right choice in putting the C on this guy's shirt. I think the, the biggest way to insult a player is to say that they're easy to play against. And the highest compliment is obviously the reverse of that, which is this guy is so hard to play against. He never stops working. He's just an asshole out there. And, and like, that's Jacob Truba. Right. And, um, Although he gets like the Players Player Award, which kind of sounds like the Gentleman Award, it's 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 like uh, it, you know it's like the good guy, but it's the good guy because you're a teammate of, yeah. and you you love his leadership and you love him for who he is, and you know by all accounts we had heard before the season began that he was the captain last year. You right. know he was running it in the room, and somebody steps up to make sure that everybody's okay. Ask. Keandre Miller about how much he's helped with his player development. That's all you need to hear. Like you need guys that are getting support from the older guys that have been around. Roger Bear was the most inclusive of anybody I've ever been around. And, you know, we traveled with him, came with us to Czech and Prague. Um, we, you know, did alumni events together. He'd sit in and tell stories that would have you rolling. Okay. And I mean, rolling. One of my favorites for Rod, Rod Gilbert was he was telling us a story when we were on the bus coming back from Boston after playing an alumni game. And in the back of the bus, it was like, you know, Leachy and uh, Adam Graves, Mike Richter, Bookaboom. Like I was, I was actually sitting with all the legends because nobody else wanted to play goalie. So I got asked. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that when I'm in those situations, like shut the hell up Valley and just listen, right? <laughs> it's a, it's like being back in your rookie year where you're happy just to get invited in for one hand of cards and just bring the beer back for the, for the real players. But um, he's telling a story of how one of his buddies, one of the French guys in the team, Emile Francis comes on the bus and I guess they're busing from Montreal to New York. And they got smoked. And Roger Bear is telling us a story about how this one guy on the team, he could open a Budweiser without making a noise, right? So Emil Francis, when he first gets on the bus, he's yelling at the players, if I even hear the sound of a beer cracking, everybody's walking back to New York. Something like that, right? So Rod's telling the story. And he goes, so what we do is we take off, uh, you know, one of the guys has a hat. We all put money in and we bet the, the player to go into uh, like an army crawl, get to the front of the bus and get behind a meal and open the beer. So this guy, <laughs> so this guy army crawls. I wish I could remember the player's name. He are, it was one of the other French guys. I, I remember that part of the story. So he army crawls, he gets the beer and he holds it right up to Emile Francis's ear and he turns around so that everybody in the back of the bus can see him and he opens the beer in Emile Francis's ear, silent, and starts drinking it. <laughs> he he, <laughs> he army a- crawls back to the back of the bus and Rod said there was like 250 bucks in the hat that he won. So they drank the beer all the way back to New York because we had a silent opener. But I'm like, and that's, and I'm telling you, Rod's, 
character, his enthusiasm telling a story, the French accent. I mean, we are pissing our pants, dying laughing in the back of the bus. And uh, I have so many fond memories of Rod. So, you know, his name, his legacy, and everything that he's going to be remembered for, uh, the players need to know this guy was aces, you know. And uh, so these, these two awards, Stephen McDonald, his culture and what he carried in our room and how everybody wanted to win that award because you want to get recognized as being of high character and work ethic and doing all the right things. And and those two gentlemen, uh, they're surely missed. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be one more award given out, uh, I think before the regular, the season finale against the Leafs on Thursday, that's the Rangers MVP. Uh, I was able to contribute my vote. Um, don't know who's going to win, but my vote went to Mika Zibanejad and we discussed him a few weeks ago about whether he deserves, uh, heart trophy votes. Uh, league-wide this year, whether, you know, fourth, fifth place, that sort of thing. Um, but as far as the team MVP goes, for me, it was kind of a no-brainer. It You know, the, Artemi Panarin had another fantastic year, and, you know, watching the way he's come on in terms of his goal scoring and his desire to, to shoot the puck, which I think Gerard Gallant and the coaching staff have been begging him to do for a couple of years now, um, certainly impressive. Adam Fox has had a year where he could be in the Norris Trophy conversation. It certainly seems like Eric Carlson and his 100 points have that locked up, but but Fox could sneak in there to one of the three finalist spots and certainly worthy of it. And Igor Shosturkin, the way that he's played, we talked about him the last month, month and a half. Um, he's the best goalie in the league, back to it. And uh, mm-hmm. even though his season-long numbers may not be quite as impressive as last year, and there's plenty of other good Vezina candidates, he's obviously one of the most important, usually the most important Ranger night in and night out. But for me, consistency throughout the year, 20 power play goals. Benajet has a chance for a second 40-goal season if he can get one on Thursday. First time getting 90 points. Power play, penalty kill, five on five, toughest assignments, you name it. This guy does it. And, uh, you know, I think he does it in a quiet way that is not very noticeable to a lot of people around the league. Like, it, you know, you can always tell uh, someone whether they're a fan of another team or just someone who's an observer of the league. If they if they know about Mika Zibanejad, then you know they're paying attention because this guy is is a superstar. And uh, and to me, he was an easy choice as the MVP this year. And we'll see what the Rangers say. We have too much of a luxury to watch highlights every morning, and I think too many people skip the games. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like my son, who's 13 years old, right? My wife and I are watching the Yankees. He's a baseball kid. We're watching the Yankees. He's like, no, I'll come down early in the morning and I'll watch the highlights before right. I go to school. Exactly. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Like, you got to watch the game. And, uh, you know, I, I think if you're watching the games, you have to see the little things that Mika does. You have to see how he's first back on the back check. You have to see how he protects the middle of the ice in his own zone. You have to see how he rushes everybody down the ice the right way and stays connected and stays above the puck when he has to be a responsible F3 in the offensive zone. You just have to watch him. And sometimes with the best players, um, if you're not just spot shadow watching them almost through a straw, then you don't see these intricacies. But when he is your favorite player, you will watch him all over the ice. I can't take my eyes off of Igor right now. When the puck is in the defensive zone, I can get locked in on Igor because he's mesmerizing the way that he reads the play and how he beats the pass to his post first and then has time to locate where the next shooter is. And I'm, I'm seeing the game through his eyes and 
I'm so impressed by it because he does all of these little details correct so that when the save is about to be made, he makes the right read. He has the charge when he has to, or he stays back in the blue paint and plays a little bit uh, less aggressive when he has to. But all of those reads, make no mistake, all of that work is done before the shot. And the same thing for a player like Mika Zibanejad. He works so hard before that sequence begins that he's in position for it. And, you know, uh, you can't really explain the game any more detail than that unless you're actually watching the player. So, yeah, sometimes this stuff goes unnoticed, Arthur. It just does. If you don't see him on a highlight on the NHL network the morning after, you may think that he had a quiet night when he could have been the most important player in that particular game. So Thursday, the regular season ends. The Rangers will play the Leafs. Both those teams will probably, maybe, know where they're playing. The Leafs certainly will. They're playing. They're hosting the Lightning in the first round. Um, maybe the Rangers will know. Maybe they won't. I don't think how they approach that game will change too much. And then the real thing begins. And as I pointed out at the top of the show, and as Steve very angrily pointed out as well, there is still a lot of variables to be I don't want anybody other than the devils, okay? I've already (laughs) turned everybody off. I can't go back. I'm at the point of no return. Well, since you are, and that is still the most likely matchup, we're going to kind of break down a little bit of Rangers versus Devils, Rangers versus Hurricanes. And I know you've done your homework, at least on the Devils. So tell us some things that you see in this Ranger-Devil best-of-seven matchup. Let's pretend we already know Rangers-Devils game one in Newark starting next week, whether it's Monday or Tuesday or whatever, probably Monday. Um, what is your... What you, are, want you, know? just, you want me just to run you through my process? Is that, is that what we're <laughs> talking about? Well, there's so much information, right? And when you're trying to narrow down what is important, uh, you have to start with uh, game situation. And I'll break that down. There's five different game situations that you really have to look closely at uh, before you get deeper and look at, looking particularly at chance types. So situations, you're looking at face-offs. You're looking at, number two, offensive zone play when the team gets set up in the offensive zone. You're looking at rush controlled, so coming off of breakouts. You're looking, number four, at transition rush, defense to offense. And then fifth, you're looking at unsettled plays, 50-50 puck battles, uh, four-check offense, giveaways and takeaways. So those are the five different areas that you need to look at. And when you're looking at those five areas, that you then have to take a little bit more of a dig and start to see where these teams are. Where are the Devils? Where are the Rangers? Offensively and defensively in all of that situational hockey. You know, does that, that, that make sense, right, Arthur? Like, you, you have to start mm-hmm. there. And then, after you look at that, you start looking at, All right, where are the trends? Where are the chance types? Why do the Devils get so many breakaways? Why do they give up so many breakaways? How are they playing? Where do they play above the puck? Are they cheating getting out of their zone? The New Jersey Devils are by far the best transition rush team in the NHL. They have 331 rush chances this year. The Toronto Maple Leafs are next to them. Excuse me, the Boston Bruins are next to them with 284. The Toronto Maple Leafs have 271. But then we look at quality, and and you can't just say chances because that could be shots immediately after getting over the offensive blue line and shooting it from 65 feet. But looking at expected goals allows us to look at the quality. The New Jersey Devils have the best quality. The Toronto Maple Leafs have the second best quality. The Bruins have the third best quality. Okay, 
So transition rush, this team is dialed in. They're absolutely elite. Where are they susceptible? It is unsettled offense against. So 50-50 puck battles, they lose a lot. Mm-hmm. For checking, they lose a lot. Giveaways and takeaways, well, they give the puck away a lot and they get the puck taken from them a lot that lead directly to shots on goal. So, Arthur, you and I saw each other in the hallway last night and I brought this up to you. And you and then I said, I went to the NHL.com and I'm looking at their stats. And yeah, they do have a lot of giveaways. And then you said um, that building uh, gives a lot of giveaways, uh, extra giveaways, or they may mark a little more. What was the term that you used? <laughs> they, they uh, mark- sometimes they, there's not the there's not the lightest touch. I think in some of their some of their real time stats. It's uh, it's you know it was a well it was a not a well kept secret during Lou Lamarillo's time in New Jersey that uh, even something as basic as shots on goal wasn't always the most accurate. I remember hearing from a lot of guys on the Islanders that I covered over the years that their the numbers were always a little bit wonky when they compared to their own their own video guys' reviews. And I'm sure that that means that something that's much more subjective from building to building, whether it's hits or giveaways, takeaways, um, they're hard to track. And I don't want to run down any of the office officials. They have a hard time keeping track. No, no, 100%. I don't want to go there, but I do want to say that you know me. We've known each other a long time. The reason why I started this company is so that I can have a bit of an audit on those numbers. And the way that we audit those numbers is let's track it from – where the shot on goal happened and then come back. So we can say that the New Jersey Devils, okay, have allowed 434 chances against this year that have come from unsettled offense, 50-50 puck battle losses, uh, four check losses, giveaways and takeaways, but they led directly to shots on goal. So we know they happened. There's no BS there. We know they right. happened. That's that's exactly Tracing back from shot, how did that shot happen? Where was the giveaway, takeaway, or the 50-50 loss, et cetera? But watching the video is the next step, right? So the analytics, uh, they may just give you a little bit of a lead or a path. And then I'm watching the video, and I'm watching all of these big chances they give up off of unsettled uh, defensive zone coverage. And my goodness, am I seeing a lot of uh, Ryan Graves and John Marino, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's where now we're, now we're talking, okay. Um, are the Rangers going to look at how are we going to play that to some? And this is their this is their third and fourth defenseman. Are we going to go after these guys? So now you're getting into a pre-scout, and uh, there's a lot of really good intel when you're willing to do the work. But you've got to have the right path, in my opinion, to get to the proper video, so then you can make the assessments from there. So you know, we look at at this matchup, and you point to those are going a little bit deeper on the surface, even just looking basic stuff, you see the devils. They have a lot of guys who love to create offense. They're, they're a creative group on offense for sure. They have defensemen that can get up in the rush. Even some of their guys like Jonas Siegenthaler, who's not necessarily known for that. That's clearly how Lindy Ruff wants them to play. It accentuates their strengths. And the thing that it seemingly does is hang your goalie out a little bit. And in that respect, Vitek Vanacek has been pretty good this year. You know, I'm I'm looking at his expected goals for the season. He's he's top twenty in the league uh, as far as uh, clear sight says. Um, not top ten, not Vezina worthy, but for a guy like Vitek Vanacek, who was probably brought in to be the backup to Mackenzie Blackwood, and Blackwood has had more injury struggles, and Vanacek I think has been a nice surprise for them. Is he the kind of guy that can sustain it into the playoffs? And we all know 
All we have to do is look back at last year and see Igor Shosturkin coming off one of the greatest goalie seasons of all time in the NHL and how much he struggled in his first postseason uh, against the Penguins team that can be very lethal and has a lot of experience and knows how to put pucks where they need to when they get turnovers and good chances. And the Rangers are that kind of team as well. So do you see it as as big a mismatch as it looks on paper, even though Vanacek has been able to sustain a, a very good season for the Devils and for him based on the fact that they do give the puck away a lot and, and play a high-risk game? Yeah, I remember covering Vanacek last season and earlier this season, as recently as two weeks ago, and thinking the same thing. He's just a goalie that wants to run around. And that can be a weapon, and that can also be a hindrance for for goalies. Um, He's never out of a save. That's the the compliment there. He's never out of a save. This guy's going to fight and and. Think of the way that Tim Thomas played in 2011 for the Bruins in the playoffs. Like, Vanacek is capable of getting on an emotional high and playing on adrenaline and being very effective. So he can steal a series. He can certainly steal a series because he has that in him. He's got that Ron Hextall in him where he's just a fighter, a Billy Smith. He's going to go in there and he's going to battle. He ends up swimming and ends up way out of position if – uh, the defensive zone coverage isn't very tight for New Jersey. And he struggles in those unsettled plays because they happen very quickly and he's surprised. There's an element of surprise to them. So his strength really isn't reading the play and over-techniquing things. He's a wild He's a wild card. He's out there and he's just out there playing. Um, but I, I think he's hard to beat. He's going to be very hard to beat. So how do you, how do you remedy uh, something that's very uh, good for them, a strength for them, You've got to screen him. You've got to get to rebounds on him. You've got to make it very difficult east to west on him because he will challenge on the first one. And then he's just not as available on saves two and three because he's he's out there in the white ice and he's just all in going for it and swimming. Um, rebounds against is his biggest uh, exposure. But uh, the Rangers... I was looking at this this morning. The Rangers are 27th in the NHL in rebounds for offensively. They're lousy at getting to rebounds. So that doesn't really help them in that matchup unless they're able to get to rebounds because they're there with Vanacek and he doesn't move that well out of first save is the point. He doesn't move that well out of first save mostly because he's not in total control as often as he wants to be. Better this year than last year, certainly. And I heard that from... Uh, the Washington Capitals goalie coach, he, he paid a lot of uh, high compliments to the goaltending uh, development group in New Jersey to really reel him in. But to me, he's still a bit of a wild card. But that wild card can go both ways. They can get hot for seven games and steal it from you. He's not going to be an easy out by any means. And, you know, just from perusing clear sight and just watching some of the Ranger Devil games this year, it seems to me pretty evident, and it was more evident early in the year, the 2-1 game uh, that they played a couple weeks ago where you decided to turn off your playoff radar after the, <laughs> after the Rangers <laughs> lost that one. Justifiably so. Um, that one was a little bit tight. Hey, wait, I'll tell you what. You, you're in the locker room. These guys at the end of the season on breakup day, hopefully it's after a cup, you ask them, what, what happened after that Devils game? What were those final two weeks like before the playoffs started? When they're honest with you, when they can be, They'll say the same thing I'm saying. <laughs> um, but what I think what you see is uh, the temptation to trade chances. The Rangers have 
as high-powered an offense as the Devils do. It doesn't operate with the same sort of lethal efficiency, especially in transition. Um, But the Rangers have guys that can score. They have guys that love to get up and down the ice. But they don't do it as well. And they do have a goalie that can bail them out maybe a little bit better than than Vanacek can for Jersey. But it seems clear that trading chances is not the Rangers' ideal style. No. And the temptation is very much going to be there because, like you said, the Devils are fat, play fast and loose. It's, it's what makes them good. They're going to get a dozen high-danger chances and give up 10. And they, yeah. they, like, they like their chances in a game like that. You don't like the Rangers' chances in a game like that. Can they be disciplined enough to be patient, wait for the counterattack, wait for quality over quantity instead of just saying, let's let us into a track meet because we have the horses that can do it? <laughs> I'm going to tell you this funny story, okay? So a uh, buddy of mine, uh, he trains with a uh, jiu-jitsu trainer, and he was telling me a funny story about a saying they have in the gym. So when a student is all locked up in a hold and he asks the trainer, uh, how do I get out of this? The, intru- the uh, instructor will say, Hey, bro, you already fucked up two moves ago. Like, you're not getting out. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're done. And right. um, I can't help but think of how can you change your DNA uh, a week before playoffs? You're not. You are what your record says you are, as Bill Parcells would say. So the Rangers, this is here's the hard facts for this season for the Rangers. Transition rush. We'll just talk about offense. The Devils lead the league in transition rush offense. 43 goals have come from transition rush offense for the Devils. The Rangers have 25, very middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know what? They're going to want to go toe-to-toe with the Devils off the rush. I don't think they're going to be able to help themselves. And I'm saying what you're saying, which is, can they just not? And just, <laughs> right? Because it's not going to end well. Can they just not? Because they're going to end up like the jujitsu trainer, you know? (laughs) Hey, bro, you fucked up five moves ago or whatever. Like, you know, it's just the way it is. is. So, I don't know. I'm hoping that they can have the discipline not to go. But here's the thing. Like, just I I probably watched the 30 devil goals against so far today. And they all certainly have a bit of a theme. They're all on the horse to leave their zone. They want to get the hell out and go. And that's why they give the puck away so many times that it ends up with a chance against them. The Rangers would be better off just playing a counter game and not going for it at all unless it is 100% green light go time. And that's going to be a hard discipline. They've got to be the more disciplined team certainly will win that series if they're going head to head with the same skill sets. Well, we were going to dive in on the possible other matchup with the Hurricanes, but I think we'll save that just in case. Uh, the The percentages right now say it's going to be Rangers-Devils, so we'll stick with that, and we'll, we'll, we'll throw a little wrinkle in as we bring in our producer, Chris Flannery. Chris, what's going on, buddy? Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, Chris. Good to have you back in the roundtable at the end of the show here, a three-man roundtable. Um, you guys have watched... Lots and lots of Rangers hockey this year. You've seen the Rangers play the Hurricanes. You've seen the Rangers play the Devils. You've seen the Rangers play just about everybody else. If you had the ability to pick your opponent for this first round, Chris, we'll start with you. You taking the Devils or you taking the Hurricanes? Yeah, you know, it, I've, so obviously I've been thinking about this a lot the last you know couple of weeks as we get 
get towards the playoffs here. It, it's you mean you mean you didn't stop thinking about yeah, it? Yeah, seriously. No, 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 I be know, honest, I, man. You haven't been locked in on the Devils. <laughs> I, can't, I can't turn it off, Val. You know that's my thing. Oh come on, man. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I've, I mean, truthfully, I you know I've figured it, it has been the Devils for for you know the last couple of weeks. That that is the matchup that you think about. Uh, but obviously, you know, there's still some some things that could happen where it could end up being Rangers Hurricanes. To, to me, I think I would prefer the Devils just because. Really? Yeah. Wow. And, and, yeah, and here, here's yeah, why. How? Because, <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. Because Carolina plays such a specific style. You know, you have to get. I, I think you could see it the last time they played the Hurricanes. The, the Rangers, for the first, I don't know, half of the game. They just weren't. Um, they just weren't. In the, it didn't seem to me they were. In the, they were not in the right mindset to play that team for the first half of the game. Then they started to figure it out and 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 kind of turned it around a little bit. In the game, the second one, the Rangers won. Yeah, the one saying. down there. Correct. Correct. There. Yes, yeah. but but they tried. They had to turn it on late in that game against Carolina. You have to be so locked in to play against that particular style for that two weeks. That to me, I'd rather play the Devils like like you guys have been talking about. There's an obvious way to beat the Devils. It's don't trade chances with them. Manage the puck coming out of your zone. If the Rangers can can do that, if the defense can, and something I noticed actually in the in the last uh, Devils game, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong about this. To me, it seems like if the Rangers defenseman can uh, obviously make the first pass, right? I mean that that that's the way to get out of the zone. But if they can skate past the the Devils' first four checker, they 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 were getting out of the zone very easily. They they were making their way out of the zone getting into the offensive zone, and then they were able to stay there and get and get some chances. Obviously, they ended up losing that game, but I felt like the Rangers were the better team the second half of that game mm-hmm. as well. So to me, you know, and I, also there's, there's a lack of experience on the Devils team. You know, Jack Hughes is not going to – he's not used to playing in the playoffs. Vanacek's not used to playing in the playoffs. There's a lot of guys on that team that don't have the experience that the Rangers do have now, especially after going to the, the conference final last year. I think – that's a team that you can kind of grind out too. It's like you force them to defend in their own zone. You manage the puck coming out of your own zone. And I, I, I don't want to say it's an easy matchup. I don't think that's, that's the truth, but I do think that in terms of a game plan, I think you, it's an easier game plan against the devils than it would be against Carolina because Carolina plays a very uh, specific style where they, they could really hem you into your own zone for long stretches of time. And, and you know, you can't get your offense going. You know what I think, though? I think that with Carolina, all the Rangers have to do is get up on them, and they can't play anything close to the way they want to play. They don't have the ability. Yeah. They don't have the comeback right. ability. Yeah. So I, I think the Rangers can figure that part of it out, and I they did it last year in the playoffs. I don't, oh, yeah. I, I don't think they can't figure it out. I, I, no, they just I, don't scare me at all, really. Here's the, thing, here's the thing to me about Carolina, and, and I'm not trying to drag another team into this that I've seen for a long time, but Chris and I did an Islanders podcast for many years. Carolina, to me, is the Islanders with more skill. Mm-hmm. They grind you out for right. 82 regular season games. They play the same way. They do it exceptionally well. And then they don't have that second gear to get to in the playoffs, especially, like Steve said, when they fall behind in a game or fall behind in a series, especially without without uh, Andrei Svechnikov. They, they don't, won't believe. Yeah, they don't have enough finishers. Yeah. And the thing that I've learned the most from Valley about goalies is Carolina is like, they're like a shoot-around team. They warm up opposing goalies that love to be warmed up, and I don't think there's any goalie in the league that loves to be warmed up by more shots than Igor <laughs> Shuster. <laughs> right, right. And Seriously. I just feel like they will get their 40 shots. They will they will retrieve pucks. They will make it look like 
They are dominating possession and zone time, and they won't have a single high danger chance in in that long stretch. And it'll feel and look like they are doing what they do, and all it's you know all it's missing is sweet Georgia Brown playing in the background. <laughs> but it is not. They just don't like Steve said. They don't scare you, yeah. especially without their best. Their most you know Svechnikov to me. Svechnikov is a great player. They've got some other good pieces. Nobody scares you more, I think, than Svechnikov because he's an unpredictable, creative guy. And without him, without even Max Pacioretty, who could probably help them as a proven scorer, um, their goaltending has been really. I, think sub- And- I was just going to say Anderson is done. He's done. Yeah, they are. They have subpar goaltending all year, and they're able to overcome it because of the way that they play. And you know, I, eighty-two games is eighty-two games. It takes a real skill to be able to to play them all or almost all of them at the same level. And you see it now with Carolina. You know they lost at Ottawa last night. It was a game they really could have used because then they could have coasted the rest of the way and yep. know that they're in first place. And they couldn't get it done against a team that's dead in the water. They got another chance tonight at home against Detroit, who's even more dead in the water. And we'll see how they do there. But um, you know, and, and obviously playoffs is a different animal, and everybody gets up for it differently. And they've been there plenty of times with that group. But to me, on paper, even seeing them play, I just don't see where they can get to that next level. And the Rangers have so, you know, it, it, it's a style that they can't deviate from. They've done it so well. It's to Rod Brindamore's credit that they have this, they can mix in some new pieces year after year and still play the same way. But if you don't have that, that game breaking ability to get to that higher level that next year, when the playoffs come around, especially when you're down three, one in a series, or you get to the second or third round, then you don't have much. So I, yeah. I, 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 great regular I, season team. Yeah, not yeah. and there's something to that, but this is the time when uh, when when champions and legends are made, and I don't I don't think they have it. Well, that's another thing too. It kind of shows with what they didn't do at the, at the deadline too. They didn't add anybody. They didn't go right. for it. They didn't they, feel they could. I, don't, I I get the sense when teams don't go in like that, they don't believe. Yeah, it sends the message to the players too, boys. It really lets the players off the hook because it's saying, hey guys, it's okay if uh, you know we don't win this year because um, you know we didn't do much to help you either. Yeah. 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 It was surprising that they didn't add something. And I, I agree with you. I mean, there, there is something to that. I just, I don't know. I just, I feel like the, I mean, listen, both, both teams are going to be, you know, they're both going to be tough to play against, obviously. And you're probably gonna have to see, you could potentially see both of them, you know, at some point. So I don't know. To me, I, I think that the, I, I just think the intensity of that devil series will be so fun. I, I don't know. There's just something I, I like about that matchup, but I, I mean, I hear what you're saying about the hurricanes and I, and I think if there's anything to it, I do think the Rangers have their number. I mean, it just seems like the Rangers are like, they know they can beat that team. They've done yeah. it. They've come back. They've won there. They, like, yeah. You know. I, I'd love to see that matchup. Yeah. I, I just can't see it happening because I turned the Devils on as my number one focus two weeks ago and I can't change my mind. That's right. Don't Valley worry. has spoken. It will <laughs> yeah. be Rangers Devils. Whenever you're listening to this, if it happens to be Rangers Carolina and you see Valley on Thursday, just sort of, you know, casually yeah. imagine him. Jer- like, oh, you okay. can jersey me as I walk into the garden. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Steve. Good stuff as always. Thanks, Arthur. Nice to see you guys. Yeah, thank you. And thanks, everybody out there, for listening to Garden Faithful. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review if you're enjoying the show. That can really help us out. And right now, get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for just $1 a month. And you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. Regular season is finally over. Playoffs are coming. We'll be able to preview them and talk about them next week. Thanks, everybody.